we we have, and I think that people that have kind of grown frustrated with that um, have have voiced their their frustration that we labeled ourselves pound measure or measure that you know our whole identi- identity is about collecting stuff rather than actually activating and, and using that data and I I think we're at an, an exciting time where we have the opportunity to overcome that the scary part is is I think we've kind of passed our luxury of just being able to collect stuff Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. coffee i've i've never had a, a bag of beans from sweden that were like mm, that's not good including ones that i shit you not had a hint of licorice in them is this you the know, one where you told me the other day like you have no clue because you can't read the, yeah. the packaging i've got five bags of coffee from sweden i don't i have no clue what they are literally i can't read anything on them nice so, yeah the Swedes even have a, a word for a coffee culture. Fika. Oh, do they? Yeah. Fika? Fika. Yeah, Fika you should says look it up. on the bag, one of the bags. Yeah. It's Isn't big, that like uh, coffee break or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. It's like the whole culture around uh, basically just chilling at a coffee shop. <laughs> like just taking taking things slowly, enjoying life, savoring the cup. Yeah. It's the way to go, right? Fika. Interesting. Fika. All right. There we go. Anyway, I'm I'm... I'm out of the uh, I'm out of the Thai coffee. That went super <laughs> quick. <laughs> I probably overindulged on that, but yeah, John, next year. John brought me some 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 coffee from Thailand, and it was like usually I try to like spread it out a bit, but it was so good. I I I I, <laughs> I made it until it was gone. <laughs> so Thanks. that was that that's high praise. Well, that's what, what did you enjoy yeah. most about it? It was just, well, so two things that I enjoy in coffee is like the, the range of flavors. And, and I used to think this was all nonsense listening to wine people talk about wine where they were like, you know, it's almost like you licked a brick wall and next to a lavender field. I'm like, it tastes like gasoline. What are you talking about? But now I get it, right? Like once you start to like refine your, your palate for it. There's so many nuances of flavors. And so for me, coffees that are multidimensional and have, you know, notes that are like, I don't know, dark fruits like deep red cherries or prunes or plums or things like that, I really like. And and I also really like kind of the tobacco-y kind of flavor. So when when I can when I can taste like multiple notes in a coffee, it's really good. But the most important thing I look for is I guess roundness, like a perfect balance in the acidity. Mm. So it's it's not so acidic, but it's not so not acidic that it's just flat. That it's like just this perfect, almost velvety mouthfeel is the only way I could describe it. Like it just feels good in your mouth. And I'm a dork, so creaminess. 
It is. Well, I mean, it's the last couple episodes yeah, we've right. started, we, we started with uh, talking about coffee and the hobby around it and everything. Is there a particular bean or location that that you prefer? No, no. I'm I'm no South American, African, Pacific. I I'll, I'll take it all. Yeah, I for me, for me it comes down to to two things. One, the quality of the farmer. Uh, you know, like you can tell when you buy beans that it's coming from a farm that cares about the quality of the product versus a farm that just is trying to do huge transactions. Because in when you care about quality, you have uniformity. There's no broken beans. There's no stones in there. Like it's just, it, it's 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 just perfection when you when you buy low-end coffee which i think you get a lot from starbucks and like a lot of these places that roast and here that sell in huge volumes are, are, are probably buying a slightly lower end bean and you know you have broken beans and sometimes you have pits in there and sometimes you have like different sizes and so to me that there there's something to be said about the process of really caring about growing and cultivating and aging the bean um, and then I think that there is a lot that the roaster plays into it as well. So if you start with a really, really good bean, the, the nuance of the flavors and what, what did you say, John, the, uh, what'd you Creaminess. creaminess. The creaminess <laughs> of the mouthfeel is often driven by the, the skill of the roaster. And again, most people say, like, what do you mean? You just dump it in this thing and it gets hot and it, no, like it's a, it's an art form. And they have a lot of influence over what the final product tastes like. Yeah, so like I, I have a couple family members that like you know get like your your standard grocery store coffee. And for me, I, I like getting even my everyday coffee um, from from a local roaster. Um, and just because it it tastes so much better. Like you could taste the freshness and and I've had family members argue with me that, oh, coffee doesn't go stale. I'm like, it absolutely oh, does. are you kidding me? <laughs> if it, we want to talk about the freshness and importance of that, we could have a whole conversation on that one. Yeah. But again, it, it depends on what you're, you're doing, right? Like, am I drinking a cup of freeze-dried crystals? I don't know. I don't think it really matters, right? Like, are you, are you having a pour-over that's meant to, like, really highlight the specifics of the bean or you having an espresso that you're dumping, you know, nine to one ratio of milk on top of the espresso. It doesn't matter. It's going to cover up it anyway. So, you know, if you're, if you're looking for the pureness of the brew, the age of the bean is critical. If you're using a freeze dried or you're dumping like mostly milk on it, it doesn't really matter because it covers it all up. Yeah. Like when, uh, when I first met my wife, like when she would get a cup of coffee, she would load it up with sugar and, and, and creamer and the flavored creamers. And I'm like, it's because you're not drinking a good, yeah, yeah, you're no, not drinking it, good right? coffee because yeah. like I, I drink my coffee black, I'll, you know, when I want like a special treat, I'll put a little bit of half and half in there. But at this point I've gotten acclimated to, to drinking it black and not having to, to flavor it up at all because when you buy the right beans from the right roaster, eh, the flavor's just right for you. Do, do you guys know that I have a friend that works in coffee analytics in Innsbruck? I think you may have mentioned that before. Yeah, my friend Paul, uh, he, he lives in Innsbruck, um, Austria. 
and uh, he works for a coffee analytics company um, where they provide they have a software for for roasters for cultivators um, that, that collects all this data and helps them analyze their crop and their yield and also the performance of the brews and 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 how they're doing their different roasts it's awesome anyway yeah he told me that he's like the real coffee snobs are into pour over right now because it's the purest form. And if if you have the right ingredients of high quality product, really great roasting technique, and your pour technique when you create the pour overs, like you literally don't need to add anything to it. And there's sweetness, there's there's roundness to it, there's you know the good mouthfeel. Uh, but you have to have all of those things line up in order to make it taste right. You know. A lot of variables, a lot of nuance. A lot of variables. Yeah. But coffee analytics, come on, how cool is that? I know. I'm just <laughs> trying to think about like what, what you could what you could measure there. Oh, my God. If you saw my digital notebooks of the notes I take on the coffee I have, you would be like, dude, seriously, you got to step away from the computer. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's it, 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 for us, for this podcast, for us as a group, it always comes back to... To how you can measure, what you could use to measure, and to give me my segue into today's episode, the tools. <laughs> you pre-planned all this. Come on. I was really curious about the segue. Yeah, he goaded us into this conversation. <laughs> well, no, like it just when you start talking coffee and then analytics, I'm like, oh, I can definitely give us a good smooth, another pun, uh, segue into into our topic to uh, for today. Because when you mention coffee analytics, I'm thinking like, well, what kind of data would be available? There's a few things that come to mind immediately, but then also what tools, what tools are they using to, you know, for that data? And then ultimately what kind of insights are they, are they trying to drive? Um, so today's topic, um, you know, uh, it's, it's continuing with our current theme around running an analytics organization. And last week, uh, we talked about, or at least we started getting to, uh, talking about self-service and what it means to, for an analytics team to offer self-service offerings to, to internal clients and whatnot. Um, today, I want to take it in a direction around the various tools that are available and various platforms are available. So this, this, this episode, this idea for this episode came out of a conversation John and I were having, and we were starting to talk about this growing trend that we're starting to see where um, users are being driven to not use the actual web analytics platforms, but to start moving into using tools like Power BI, Looker Studio, BigQuery, things like that. Um, because you're seeing this trend where organizations, and I mean, it's, it's not a new trend, but I think people are finally figuring it out. Because for the longest time, and Jason, I'm going to use your joke of like the, the data lake house and this, that you heard all of these different ways of describing it, a data lake, a data, this, a data, that big data. And for a while, everyone was just focused on just no matter how it looks, just get it into a centralized place. It feels like people have now taken the next step of not just bringing all of that data together. So if you're, um, say, an e-commerce retailer bringing in your your inventory data, your web analytics data, your financial data, your uh, your customer data, all of that into a central location, but modeling it so it can actually be used. It's not just there. Um, and so what you're seeing is, is a lot of teams moving 
to, okay, they have their web analytics platform. It's Adobe Analytics, GA4, whatnot. They may use that tool for some very basic reporting, basic analysis, but then they're being pushed to use those other tools that are combining the data. So it's a very long-winded intro. Um, so that's what do you both think about the, this trend of teams, analytics teams, insights teams being driven to use these other tools? And what other causes do you see for it? Um, can I go on a slight tangent first? Because I'm going to forget. Um, of course. And, then I, and then I'll answer your question. I was randomly talking to someone yesterday that said, um, oh, did you hear my hummus? Got to turn my volume down. My I, my it, my alert sound on Slack is hummus. So when someone posts on Slack, it says hummus. Um, random. Uh, I was talking with someone yesterday <laughs> that said, um, I am really enjoying John on your podcast. I, I, was, I think he was listening to the mobile first one and said, I really appreciate his insight. So we're going to miss John as a regular contributor on the podcast. I can, I can come back. I might be okay. a little bit late, but I can come back. All right. We'll figure um, it out once you get back to Asia next week. <laughs> I'm going to make you guys stay up in the middle of the night. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm all for it. Hey. Stay up. Um, okay. Jim, re-ask your question, but shorter. You said something like, these teams are being forced or asked, or how, how did you position that? I'm using the word pushed. pushed. So not, it may, I don't want to necessarily say forced, but they're kind of being pushed in that direction because organizations are looking to centralize data, be able to get, not to sound cliche, but get more out of it or be able to utilize it. But we're seeing this trend where teams are either being pushed or they themselves are migrating to these other tools and say using the native features within the web analytics platforms less and less. And my response would be, I think it's a shame that analytics teams have to be pushed into doing that. Like I, I think that those things should be coming as a strategy from the analytics teams, but we have become so comfortable being defined by the primary tool that, that we're using that someone from outside the organization kind of has to grab us by the collar and say, no, we need you guys to do something more valuable to us. So I, I and my my initial feedback with is I think it's a bit of a shame that that's the the wording that we're being pushed to do it rather than us setting the agenda that that's what we should be doing. Yeah, and I would say I mean the reason why we're doing it pushed or not pushed I think is this the fact that um, from my perspective a lot of the vendors are very um, egocentric like they think uh, the world revolves around their specific analytics data set, but um, that's rarely the case. Like, as, as you mentioned, Jim, there's a lot of other sources of data that companies have these days. You know, a few years ago, we were all talking about what data to collect, how to collect all kinds of data. I think we're generally well beyond that point now. Now, I think there's a, um, it's not that companies don't have the data. A lot of them have all kinds of data um, I think generally starting to feed it into data warehouses on average. So we're collecting it together, but then um, really none of the tools that um, we were used to using are able to um, incorporate all that data in any way. Like if we're, if we have, you know, 20 different data sets and um, like Adobe analytics or, or GA can only report on the, their, um, you know, there's 
their uh, proprietary data, we're missing out a, a huge piece of the puzzle. And, and bringing value is more than just looking at you know how, what what um, what facets of the analytics data that we have tracked. I mean, there's there's a lot of other pieces that <clears throat> really I think our 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 role as an industry is is now about like making the connections of of between different data sets. Um, <clears throat> and quite frankly, uh, the the standard reporting options, um, although they've gotten much better, they're still very siloed. I feel like like yeah, we can slice and dice, you know, the analytics data. But then what about other data sets? Yeah, they have some rudimentary ways to to upload data, you know, whether it's metadata or or other things. But it's still very analytic centric. Whereas Depending on what sort of analysis you're doing, sometimes analytics data isn't even the primary data source. Sometimes the analytics data is actually the metadata on top of something else, perhaps. So I think there really is more of a, a, a need these days for like a um, uh, an un, I don't know what's the right word a neutral I yes. guess <laughs> platform that doesn't um, you know that just thinks of analytics data as another data source, another piece of the, the the puzzle, not the main piece necessarily, because it's not always the main piece. Yeah, I, and and we and you you called it out right. We have a very real technology challenge with these tools because it's it's not easy to to do that. And I also think we have a very real people challenge, both culturally and skill wise, in that. If we're talking kind of the digital space, we, you know, we haven't been really focusing on those skills. So even if the tools supported it, we don't have a lot of people that have a traditional digital analytics background that even have the skills or ability to to deal with that, number one. And, and number two, it's also culturally an issue because we tend to allow the tool to drive what we can produce to the point that... I have seen companies not only label their their teams, but their outputs as such, meaning, oh, here's our Adobe Analytics analysis. What, do, what? what does that even mean? Why aren't we doing an analysis of the customer, the conversion? Mm -hmm. No, this is our Adobe Analytics analysis. And so we've, we've trained ourselves into that mentality that is going to be difficult to break, but we have to break it. We have to break out this mentality of, oh, I do analysis in Google. No, you should do an analysis and Google is a tool or a source of data for what you're trying to solve for, why are we artificially limiting the inputs into a problem that we're trying to solve? I, you know, I, so I think that there's some issues there that, that we need to address. Um, in our space or out of our space, John, are around this neutrality, have you seen tools that have tried to solve it? Has like, was Domo trying to solve that because they kind of tried to create all these connectors and bring it together or not? Are there others out there that have been trying to solve it? Yeah, there's definitely, I think a lot of, a lot of vendors in the space, um, in, 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 in full transparency, I'm not, I'm not the biggest expert on, on Domo specifically. Um, I do know like, uh, you know, vendors like, like Snowflake, for instance, a major cloud, uh, data warehouse, uh, uh, vendor is 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 has been very focused on being very open with different connectors and, and bringing that in. Um, I mean, there's, I guess there's, I mean, there's there's a lot of vendors in very specific niches of the whole data pipeline space. So I mean, obviously the storage is one one aspect. Things like uh, BigQuery, um, Snowflake, etc. But um, 
I think probably the tools that uh, most analysts would be familiar with are probably the data visualization, the data visualization tools, such as you know what Jim was mentioning. So I mean, there we have the big ones are Power BI, Looker Studio, which is which is Google's, and uh, Tableau, uh, probably the, those three. Um, and I think even even Looker Studio is, is generally pretty neutral in that that regard. It doesn't really, um, you know. Uh, there are some built-in connectors to, to the GA data, but it's not really biased in that way um, in, in the fact that, you know, it treats all data sources equally. There's a lot of complexities with that because you really have to understand the data. Um, you know, if you're, if you're slicing and dicing something in analytics workspace, like there's, I mean, you can get into some trouble, but there's, there's a lot of uh, things that are just built in on the way analytics data works. But if you're using one of these, you know, very neutral tools, you really have to understand the way the data works because, like for instance, uh, users may not automatically be deduped depending on how you slice and dice. Um, you may have to do some calculations on top of that. There's definitely some modeling involved, um, but really, it is. Yeah, it, it, I think those connections are kind of the 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 complexity of it, the blending of, of different data sources. And that's where the, the art comes in. I think um, up until recently, um, and even up to now, uh, typically, I mean, there, there have been teams at many organizations that have been focused on this. I mean, typically it's been BI teams and uh, data engineering teams. Um, but I think what's what's missing and what the what analysts, the analytics teams can really bring is that that understanding of the business know into um, being able to understand what makes sense because you know there can be a million types of data that were a million different facets and dimensions um, hopefully a, a million is a, a little bit of an exa exaggeration but maybe not um, and there's many ways to you know there's many pieces of data that may not be useful may not be valuable at all I think it's it does take um, someone with a preview of like an analytics background to really and with the, the connection to the stakeholders and the business to really help elevate what's valuable and what's not what's junk what's duplic duplicative um what's nuanced you know etc like um just to really um you know bring out the value i think it's an exciting time to be an analyst actually if you if you it's almost like we're um I don't want to say there's a low bar because it's very it's, it's a very high bar I think to be at this level but but there's a lot of potential um, to really extract data where um, we haven't I mean we've just been collecting data collectively <laughs> but uh, we we yeah. have and I think that people that have kind of grown frustrated with that um, have have voiced their their frustration that we labeled ourselves pound measure or measure that, you know, our whole ident identity is about collecting stuff rather than actually activating and, and using that data. And I, I think we're at an, an exciting time where we have the opportunity to overcome that. The scary part is, is I think we've kind of passed our luxury of just being able to collect stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think the last three years have shown that the businesses are like, you know, if you're not going to be indispensable to, to the business and things get tough, 
you know, it, we're, we're probably going to have to cut here. And so it's it's both scary and exciting. I think the exciting part is we, we have the opportunity to do it, but we have to take serious action to, to get there and make it happen. But I think it's what most of us in the industry have been craving because if we're just gathering data to gather data, when do we get that kind of fulfillment that we're, we're actually doing something meaningful with it? Um, speaking, and, yeah, if yeah, I might interject, ahead. sorry. Yeah, I mean, like, in. I think, like, and we're still guilty of it as an industry. I mean, I think, um, and not to demean or, uh, <laughs> or lower the importance of implementation or the technical aspect, but if you look at most of the content out there, it's still mm -hmm. generally about implementation um, and not really bringing value. I think like it's it's actually quite hard in many ways because there's not many like documented <laughs> case studies out there. And and I think partially it's because every case is so individual to the organization. Yeah. Like eh, like yeah, maybe everyone has a similar uh, you know, solution design from the analytics standpoint. Obviously differences on on the business, but like internal data is completely different based on um the organization and just how what's valuable and what's not it really it, i mean you have to go a lot deeper i think with the with the business and and uh understanding you know what levers they have what what you know strategic initiatives are going on to really understand what's what's important and what makes sense there does that uniqueness um speak to the challenge of combining this data maybe from a neutral party standpoint and the reason i mm -hmm. asked the question uh, is and it's been four or five years, but we worked with two clients, and I'm just talking marketing data, not all data, just marketing data, where they were trying to combine all their marketing data sources into a central location. They couldn't find anything off the shelf, so they hired an agency to do it. The price tag was in the two to three million dollar range to build it, and six hundred thousand dollars a year to maintain it. Um, and they were unhappy with it because it was unsustainable, but they didn't feel like they had any other choice because it was so complex and personalized their business. So how do it, you know, because of this complexity, can we even have a neutral third party to help with that? Or are we really in a place where we have to build it as a one-off? That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's a lot of tools and platforms that we can leverage to help a lot of these, you know, workloads. However, the solution is really individualized. I, I do think like it's, um, just as any any other part of the the you know the the, the technical stack uh, internally might be unique to a specific industry or, or organization, I think the the data part is as well. I mean, and how you and also, I mean, I mean, these days, just reporting on on data or doing an analysis is not necessarily enough either. I mean, to be data driven, you're actually feeding this you know, blended data into potentially other um, internal platforms or tools as well, such as, for instance, um, you could be feeding it into a personalization system or, um, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, uh, even uh, internal like marketing system or like a push notification system if you're, you know, a mobile app company. Like there's a lot of uh, uses of the data that can be fed into other systems real time as well that are just as important as I think, or maybe more important of doing reporting or analysis on, on certain things. Yeah, so I'm wondering if it, I'm wondering if we need to take a huge step backwards um, and maybe part of the problem is the tooling problem that 
and I'm going to show my age here. When when I first got into the industry um, in the late 90s, we were building um, consolidated marketing databases, and we had two tools. We had an Oracle database, and we had Informatica, which was our ETL tool to pipe data between a data source and, and our master database in Oracle. And we had PLSQL sitting on top of it to massage the data and group it. And then we had SQL to push it out to reporting tools. And that was it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, that was in the late 90s. Now we're, you know, going middle 2020. Um, we, we have these solutions that rather than focusing on being like the best knife or the best, you know, specific tool, it's how can we build an all-in-one printer with like 90 different features to it that doesn't solve one problem really well? It does a lot of things kind of mediocre. Yeah. Uh, you also showed your age by saying ETL. Now it's ELT is the... Oh, really? It's, it's changed? <laughs> it used to... <laughs> now we're loading everything and then transforming it later. It but was before, ETL. Yeah. No, but it was before, ETL, right? Before, yeah. But, yeah, when I newer was... newer paradigm is ELT. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm so... Get off my lawn, you kids. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you know, I, I guess to, to that point, like, should we as organizations be thinking, at least starting on a more simpler basis to say, well, let's start with a strong data storage solution, mm -hmm. whatever we want that to be, Snowflake or Aura, yeah. and, and, and a specific set of tools to move and transform the data that that's all they do and they do it really, really well. And mm -hmm. if that doesn't solve it, then go to the next level. But it seems like... We're starting with the tool with all the features and then trying to back into something that works. That's true. Yeah, it's very important to have like a, a comprehensive, you know, uh, robust data pipeline, basically. Yeah, like what, whatever that may be, uh, depending on the data sources. I mean, yeah, it needs to be an, an automated thing as well. Um, once you have all the data in a, in a, in a you know, singular entity, uh then you need to actually the probably the most difficult process of everything is is modeling the data which basically just means um transforming or blending in a way i mean you can think of it in the older paradigm as like a, a sql joins or, or whatnot and just making simplified tables to 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 leverage you know for other use cases later on um if there's kind of like this this layer where everything is 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 um, m modeled in a way that that makes sense for you know the the business like so for instance um, and this let's use an example so for instance um, just asking a simple question sometimes on like how many users does my did my app uh, you know application get in the last you know month like monthly active users there's a lot of nuances of that definition for different companies mm -hmm. um you know it could be like if users use the app for a certain amount of time if they did a certain feature um you know what if they canceled and reactivated etc like there's a lot of specific nuances if you want to get specific and um just having some of those 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 core metrics modeled in a way that um you know, makes it very easy for other tools or users to to query that later on um, goes a long way. Or else you're you're getting people or 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 other processes querying the data in slightly different ways, getting different results. There might be multiple data sources that you know, like there's many. We 
often see like many different tools report on unique users, but they're all slightly different. And then there's all these, you know, validation exercises. So, I mean, all those things have to be sorted out in advance before you're able to kind of move on to the more advanced level of, of you know, visualization or reporting or analysis. You know, so everyone's looking at the same uh, clarified data. Um, otherwise, yeah, like, like to what you said, uh, uh, many times there's pressure to jump over that step and just, oh, I can instantly connect one of these data viz tools to like, a, you know, an analytics tool and just, you know, kind of do the, 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 the blending with another data source on the fly. But um, then you have, you know, six different people creating dashboards that all look different. Um, so, yeah, yeah there, there, there is really a, an important data governance kind of step that needs to happen in between. It's probably the, the unsexy part, uh, data modeling, but it's uh, maybe one of the most important. Because actually, if that's done correctly, it makes everything else much easier. And then people can plug and play with their, their reports. Yeah. It's a, it's an incredibly insightful, valuable point that you bring up, and so many uh, organizations are are spending so much of their time trying to fix the symptoms rather than uh, addressing the underlying cause, which often is misalignment mm -hmm. um, and and that modeling piece that hasn't been done. And I think it begs, we talked about this in a previous episode of the importance of elevating analytics in the organization. Um, I remember years ago we worked with a, a client that had five different definitions of a lead. Like depending on which group you talk to, they defined a lead a different way. It was the same lead, but mm -hmm. they all had different definitions to it. And so they were all talking about different numbers. And and not only is it frustrating, it could be incredibly damaging and dangerous depending on how we're using that data, not to, to have that alignment on some of the most basic things that we're trying to measure as a business. Yeah, and, and you know, as we described this too, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of complexity involved, which is absolutely true. And there's probably a lot of resources necessary. That's why it's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, um, as you mentioned, uh, you know, one of the trends of analytics resources being cut, um, because that makes all of the, 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 you know, the projects and initiatives required to, to make this, um, very valuable data rich ecosystem work incredibly difficult with limited resources. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just, I mean, we need to do a better job of selling the, the value of that. I think at the moment, <clears throat> you know, without doing this, we have a lot of dirty data. There's a lot of questions on why do you need to track something else? You know, we're not doing anything with the data. I mean, but it's, yeah, it's one of those, I don't know, kind of a chicken and the egg thing where mm -hmm. like to really get the, the true value today, you really need to, kind of go beyond what we have been doing. Yeah. All right. So a comment, and then I have a question for you, John. Uh, so comment, having John on the podcast, I'm, I'm very self-conscious now about two things. Uh, one, I've noticed that um, I, I'm talking like my hands are all over the place when I'm talking. <laughs> like, okay, keep my hands to my side and just I be haven't like, noticed that. Okay. <laughs> And the second thing is, is John's pronunciation is really great. And it highlights that I fall victim to the Utah pronunciation of mashing everything together. So when John says something like, it's important, it, I, I'm like, yeah, it's important. It's like everything kind of gets mung, 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 
I'm going to try to be more precise in my pronunciation. Here. I so have my... not noticed that at all. <laughs> now I'm going to be self-conscious about my pronunciation. And you're going to say, but you're up there and you're so zen in the mountain. I'm like, you mean the mountain? <laughs> um, all right. So my question to you is let's take a very real world scenario that a lot of our listeners are, are, are in. So we own an Adobe Analytics. We have a, a robust implementation. We've got, you know, structure built out and analysis workspace. And I'm listening to this. What am I thinking as an analyst? I'm like, do I even need, should I even be using analysis workspace? Are you saying that first I should be working with some team? Maybe it's our team. Maybe it's another team to combine all our data. And that's where I should start with my analysis. Or is there still inherent value in the reporting and analysis features in point specific products? I think the answer really depends, to be honest, because I think um, That's a good it depends how, how is the data being used? Like, are you in analysis workspace just to create dashboards that no one's looking at? Or are you pulling, extracting data that's, you know, being leveraged by, by the teams internally to make marketing decisions, strategic decisions, product decisions, et cetera? Um, if you would hope that that people are making strategic decisions, but maybe those stakeholders are saying, "Oh, this would be very valuable if only it," you know. But we, we're, we're missing this this piece of the puzzle. That we're missing like a uh, you know important data on like like uh, you know the, the I don't know the lifetime value of users or something. Um, then, you know, to make that valuable, you'll you'll need to bring other data together. Um, and maybe make something more robust. Or if you, you know, if the if the initiative might be to power a um, personalization system or something, and maybe that system needs access to to the data directly. I don't know. Does does uh, does connecting to analysis workspace is it possible? Is it feasible? Or you know, do, does it need to be in a different kind of Format maybe in a in a in a database or or something that's accessible via an API. Um, so I think it just does depend. But I would I guess I would um, the, my first question would be like how is the data that you're currently uh, reporting on or the output of the analysis how is it actually being used? Is it just mm. like for a Monday meeting where everyone's like okay interesting or is it like really <laughs> used to drive some sort of decisions or feed into some other system? I think that's what it comes down to. And and kind of going in back to your chicken and egg comment, how much of that answer to that question is the output of us historically being too narrow? I mean, so I come back mm -hmm. and say, well, this is how we're using the data. But that answer is because we, we haven't been thinking broadly enough. So we've limited what we can do. So, yeah. And I think a lot of stakeholders have gotten used to the fact um, from what I've seen, too, sometimes where that they realize you know, maybe the analytics data is is limited, has limitations, is nuanced, and everyone's kind of learned to live with that and be mm -hmm. like, oh, it's it's nice, it's directional, mm -hmm. which yeah, it's true. I mean, all data is you know directional to some degree. Nothing's really 100% accurate mostly, um, unless you're using backend data. But um, uh, you know, I think there there's things that we can do to to help that. Sometimes analytics data says what happened, but not why it happened. You know, there might be that those answers may exist somewhere else that we can start to tap into as well. So 
I think we would we we might want to pose the question to stakeholders that are just using analytics data, like what is the limitation here? Like what what else would we be able to add to this um, to make it more valuable? You know, and maybe think outside the the analytics box for that. You know, yeah. with any data, any kind of uh, you know data set, data source, et cetera. That might make it more valuable. I mean, I think that's that might help lead to some avenues that uh, you might want to explore. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think we have all become very, uh, yeah, to use your word narrow, I guess, yeah. or <laughs> kind of got, got tunnel vision now because yeah. we're just used to that and, and comfortable being there. Yeah, but I think I think we could argue that you know our the scope of what we track should be, yeah, become all of data yeah not just one well i mean we're limiting ourselves in a sense so so exact so to that point and and in kind of keeping that in mind i'm a i'm a director of digital analytics and i come to you and say i'm really worried about the viability of my job over the next three to five years what advice mm -hmm. do you have for me and to think about how to maybe pivot isn't the right word but grow my organization to be a more meaningful member of the organization and be indispensable for what we provide for for the business i think the first thing um would be to learn more about the other data internally at the the organization it surprises me how many analytics teams have no idea what the bi team at their company is doing like i it baffles me why these are separate teams sometimes and I realize maybe for political or, or whatever reason sometimes, but but to me, it makes sense to be very close with the BI team and the data engineering teams for that, that matter. The, it, it, if you're analytics and just not being close to what's in, what data is being tracked, it's, it's just, I feel like um, you're kind of shutting yourself out to the possibilities of what you could do. Um, I think just collaborating with the other I mean, even the fact that we've gotten to a point where it's so um, there's different data factions at an organization is, mm -hmm. is somewhat strange. I know I know some organizations have started to have like chief data officers and that type of thing. But even in lieu of that, I think you can kind of create like an informal alliance or, or whatever that you <laughs> you want to you want to call it, uh, you know, committee or 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 whatnot, informal team together. But like, I think there's a lot of learnings that could be had. And I think most analytics practitioners, especially the ones that are, you know, staying curious and 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 thinking data in many good ways, um, I think you'd be you might be surprised on what additional ideas might come up if you more fully understood what other data is available. But I, I think right now I've seen like a lot of silos still existing where um, to me it doesn't really make sense why there's a silo. I think one of the things that we need to address is is our beliefs or perhaps misconceptions about the other team. I think that that is um, leading to a lot of the siloed uh, approaches to, to data. And I'll just take kind of a maybe an overly simplified example where uh, those of us working in digital look at the traditional BI teams and like, oh, they're stats nerds. They don't know anything about you know, the business, they don't, they don't understand how to empathize with our customers. And so we kind of 
push them over in a corner. And they do the same to the digital teams. They're like, oh, digital analytics, you guys aren't real analysts. You know, you're you're not using these hard hardcore methodologies and tools that we use. So you're not really analysts. And so they kind of push them off into a corner. I think we need to break down some of those beliefs that we have about the other data teams and look at it more as we are on one team trying to solve mm-hmm. the same types of problems. We may come at it from different perspectives, different backgrounds, different experiences, but if we can combine those under a shared vision, the sum and output of that has to be greater than us working individually, I, I would imagine. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I don't I don't understand how we got to the point where we're competing with other <laughs> but we are, know, right? teams we that, were, that we deal are. with data you know, yeah. at the same company, like where we should recognize that, yeah, there's other skill sets. I mean, I think there's obviously some analysts out there that are very statistically heavy, but many are not. Uh, why are we afraid of those that are? Like we should, <laughs> you know, maybe collaborate and and uh, share knowledge and, and come up with joint projects or initiatives or, or work outputs that are, you know, do provide that value. Like, um, yeah, we shouldn't shy away from that. So if I'm a traditional, analyst or implementer in the digital space and and still you know like a lot of our conferences to your point a lot of the content that we're consuming within our pasture is pretty nuanced around implementation and tool usage what and and i want to break outside of that where do i go like who do i look to for for learnings what what sorts of things are out there that i can learn from a self-paced perspective to help maybe break down some of those blinders so i can start seeing things from a more broad perspective that's a good question i mean i guess it depends on what you know where your your skill sets lie um i mean like if we're talking about hard skills i mean think i think like uh you know sql is is a is a good place to start just the concepts of, of SQL. I mean, I think many of us may know it. I think many of us are now being exposed to it after, especially after GA4 and, and BigQuery, but um, being comfortable with how, and with SQL, it's not necessarily understanding all the nuances, but just really even how data structures work, how data is stored in the database. I think that that can really help. I think, um, you know, internally, if you don't already maybe, you know, see if you can get access to to more data, start playing with it, seeing what's there, talking to other stakeholders, you know, like I mentioned, partnering with the, the BI team there. I mean, a lot of times, if you're not competitive, everyone's really very helpful <laughs> from what I found at many organizations, um, you know, uh, knowledge sharing. Um, I think there, there's a growing amount of content in the community, even the, the measure communities like measure Slack. I mean, there's, there's, you know, channels specifically for data warehousing and, and, and SQL and that kind of thing that I see um, get a lot more um, action than maybe they used to. So there, I think there, we're all kind of inching in that d- direction. Um, but just, yeah, really being, I think, open-minded to thinking beyond the tool for the most part Uh, as for specific you know other resources um i'm not sure i mean there's there's a variety out there i couldn't name them off the top of my head yeah um, no no but i i think that you bring bring up some really good points and i'll just emphasize the importance of sql um Mm -hmm. i'm not in the camp that every analyst needs to be an sql guru Mm -hmm. but having enough exposure to it can be incredibly insightful um 
I, I've been writing SQL for, for more than 20 years. I don't think you need 20 years of SQL writing experience, but I will tell you that experience has opened up my mind to at least things that I should be thinking about or wondering about with some of these tools that maybe others don't even appreciate are, are a challenge in how the data that ground initially um, getting data from writing SQLs forced me to think more critically about, well, what's Adobe doing behind the scenes? What's Google doing behind the scenes to structure uh, and transform this data? Because I know if I had to write the query, that is something I'd have to think about. So at least it forces me to think through these nuances that, wait a minute, something's happening to the data. And if I don't at least have some kind of understanding of how it's structured or transformed, I could be drawing conclusions that are giving the wrong insights to to my stakeholders. So I, again, just some like intro into SQL to force yourself to think more about how data is structured and transformed based mm-hmm. on how it's how you ask it to be returned or how you're or how you're telling it to be inserted can be incredibly valuable to an analyst. Yeah, and if for no other reason, I think the other aspect is just with the privacy-aware world that we're living in. Um, you know, and more and more, there's a uh, you know, I think a lot of companies are are more um, averse to, or not averse, like more um, uh, likely to want to keep their data internally as well than just keep everything on the cloud. Um, so, or with a vendor. Um, so I think you know just. That is another reason just to, to get more familiar with SQL too, just to be able to access the data that that exists. And it might it, it could be very surprising what's what's available. Um, yeah, again, I I think the problem was not so much that the data is missing, like it, that was the that was the problem a few years ago, but now it's just like there's too much data and we don't know how to and no one's really connecting the dots. Yeah. Um, I mean, even with the, the the paradigms of you know data warehouses and you know data lakes, for instance. Da- I mean, the idea of a data lake is basically everything is just thrown in the lake, and and unmodeled. It was to get everything together very quickly, but um, now you need to kind of you know make those the connections between them. And, and the the first step is really ex- exploring. And there, yeah, yeah, there's there's tools to help explore and things like that. And yeah, you can connect. Uh, you know data visualization tools directly to uh, databases many times to explore, but you're really, I feel like not fully understanding the data, the underlying data, unless you're able to kind of be able to run queries, simple queries even, just to see what the table looks like and to, you know, um, really um, internalize that um, to be able to, to, to get the most value out of it. And let's it's make very interesting. And, and let's make copies of, of databases so that we can do that. So we don't have the fear of Jason taking down the production database, writing a really bad query. Oh yeah, I mean, I, there there should be a, <laughs> there should be a, yeah word. reporting only kind of things. <laughs> hopefully we're not uh, hopefully we're not querying the 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 operational yeah. the transactional database, but yeah. Um, yeah, in some reporting databases. But I think I mean it's it's a huge. Uh, I mean, I think for many of us, it might be you know an exciting endeavor into to deeper skills. And I think yeah. also another analogy is like I think just like um, when you're talking about the importance of, of SQL for an analyst, it's it's similar to I think like how uh, a, a technical analytics implementation specialist might uh, know JavaScript. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. you don't need to know everything about JavaScript, right. but it it definitely helps you 
get a lot deeper. Yeah, for sure. All right, Jim, you're going to have to wrap us up. Otherwise, we can keep going for a couple more hours. So. <laughs> it could be a whole series. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so to, to, to start wrapping us up, there's, there's two questions I want to ask both of you. Um, are there things that people are not thinking about when, when it comes to this? So maybe another way to think of it, too, is like, what are the pitfalls people are going to run into if they rush into this? Like if they listen to this episode and are like, yeah, we absolutely need to grow our team. We need to expand our team and move into this kind of setup. What, what are they maybe not thinking about? Or what have you seen other organizations not think about? Well, I think just the historical challenge we've had is that we've tended to get the order of operations backwards. So to, to John's point, rather than understanding what we're trying to solve for and then modeling a solution for that and then plugging in the right resources and tooling to make that happen, we start with the tooling and then figure out how to plug everything into it and then figure out how to model and then figure out what we're trying to solve for. I, I think that that's a very real risk, especially uh, if we see more and more SaaS vendors jump into the space with, with their marketing and sales tactics to push organizations to think tool first. I think that's that's one of the biggest threats is is not going through the proper design modeling thinking process before selecting the things that we want to solve the problems that we don't even know what we're trying to solve first. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if you look at a lot of the big tech companies, and I know uh, they're probably not a good model for, for many companies, but I mean, a lot of them are, are not, are, are using their homegrown analytics solutions because basically the vendors don't uh, are limited in, in terms of being able to encapsulate all the, the data necessary yeah. for, for their use cases. Um, yeah, that's an important thing. I think another technical con uh, consideration maybe, um, if you are thinking of bridging data together is, um, you know, I said maybe not talk about implementation too much, but um, you probably want to think about common identifiers that, that work between systems. So for instance, if you have um, a content-driven site and there's a, there's a CMS database that might, you know, all, every piece of content has, a, you know, an identifier, maybe that's, that, that identifier should also be passed into analytics tool too. Just so, you know, you get some of these, these keys that are able to make it a lot easier down the road to, 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 to join data together. Such a great point, and one that's often missed over, miss, mislooked, miss over, not looked at, not seen, overlooked. overlooked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> overlooked, for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, and then one last question, um, and this is maybe to to play a bit more of the devil's advocate with us, because like where we started this conversation was, um, you know, looking at teams that are typically focused using a tool and. You know, maybe they're either seeing the need to do it themselves or they're being pushed to use some of these other tools like Power BI or, or Tableau. Do you see a risk in turning the analytics platform into a glorified and very expensive data collection pixel? Well, I think that's the direction they're going. If I'm looking at Google and Adobe, I, it feels like that's the direction they're going, but I, I could be wrong. I mean, I, I'm definitely hearing that with GA4. Uh, when we were at the Marketing Analytics Summit um, last month, uh, talking to a few GA folks, um, you know, a lot of the the issues with GA4 seem to really be focused around the UI itself. And most people are like, that's because like they were focused on the data set, 
and building for that, and then the UI came second. Yeah, it might make a lot of Adobe enemies, but I mean, I, I do think the strategy with keeping everyone in your ecosystem versus making you know a more generic way to track analytics events and making them accessible <laughs> easily <laughs> is uh, is is an important aspect to look at for 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 tools as well. Um, there's there's a variety of of vendors that 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 are that are doing that kind of thing now as well and focused on that. Cool. Uh, this was uh, this was a great episode, um, John. Thanks for for joining us for the last few. Um, you have fans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least one. <laughs> no, no, no. I know of at least two. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, have a have a good trip back to Thailand this weekend. And once you get back and get settled, we'll we'll look at the the calendar. And we'll we'll look for opportunities to to bring you back a bit more often. So we don't have. Can you imagine how amazing? Can you imagine how amazing it would be if it was like super late at night and Jim and I were just like all weird and wilded out recording podcasts <laughs> with John? It'd be amazing. Uh, that's that's what happens to me usually. Yeah, we, we'll switch okay, it up. There. We can alternate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll alternate. Like, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see which we'll one the audience likes the most. Yeah. <laughs> cool. cool. Well, thank you much. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap up there, and we'll talk to everyone later. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.